Hello everyone, it's Precious Pioneer and welcome back to another episode of Precious the Foodie. I am very happy that you're tuning in to this week's episode. Over time, I think that we have developed a busy lifestyle, whether that be with work, school, or our families. And though those things are very important, it's equally, if not more important, to show up for yourself. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Samantha, who will give us insight in the value of figuring out the strengths within us when it comes to your mind and also when it comes to the food that we eat. We are all so beautiful and unique. When it comes to our diet, it's no different. So the key is to not only show up for yourself, but to not be late. Welcome to Precious the Foodie Podcast, the show that will uncover stories through palettes and memories. My name is Precious Pioneer, your host. I'm a chef, a creative, and a foodie. I'm meeting people all over the world using food as a medium to highlight truths into bite-sized pieces. Hi, my name is Samantha Coffin, and I am the owner of The Wellness Rewind. I'm currently in Asheville, North Carolina, but I am a girl from the, um, oh my goodness, I'm stumbling on my words here. <laughs> <laughs> I am from the Northeast. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, okay, cool. Um, what is it like living in North Carolina? I don't think I've ever lived there. What's the food scene like, the weather? Are people still quarantining over there? Oh my gosh, yeah. So it's um, it's beautiful here. We came down here for the mountains um, and the nice roads, so no winters. <laughs> so my husband's really into driving and I'm really into hiking. Uh, so it seemed like the perfect place for us. Um, and it's been pretty pretty great to us. The hikes are absolutely incredible. Um, and the food scene is, <laughs> you hit it spot on. It's uh, definitely something to talk about. <laughs> it's really great here. There's a lot of creative and inventive um, chefs. I'm actually in a tea shop today that is um, owned by a guy that was inspired by a tea shop in China. And so it's, it's really cool to see a very unique space and there's lots of different businesses like that in Asheville. That's beautiful. I think one of the really cool things about, um, I guess, America in general is that a lot of our restaurants are so inspired by other places. So it's kind of like a fusion of all, all kinds of different elements. You know, I would have never suspected a tea shop in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And like a lot of folks um, come to Asheville from other places. Like it's a very common spot for um, other people to be from. So it's very rare that you meet someone that was like born and raised here. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's definitely inspired a lot of the cuisine here and the lifestyle in general, honestly. Um, and a lot of people here aren't afraid to travel. Um, so although they're being responsible with COVID, <laughs> there's also a lot more uh, risk takers in this town. <laughs> okay, for sure. Um, and so some Samantha, you said that you are in the health and wellness space. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background. How did you even begin to get in that sort of industry or field? Yeah, so I don't remember a time from my childhood where I wasn't sick. Um, I was sick very young, um, and I I struggled with like finding answers. And a lot of docs would just tell me nothing was wrong with me, and I had just had to deal with it. And that was like that was literally like zero to eighteen. And I started to get answers when I was eighteen. I was diagnosed with celiac disease. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, um, and my whole life started to actually like improve. Even though like you know you might see those diagnoses as like negative thing, I was like, oh, someone gave me an answer, which was really encouraging. Um, and so I went from that to really learning my food, my like what my body needed for food, what my bo- body needed for movement over my 20s. And I realized that like it took me 
you know, almost 30 years to get to a point where I felt healthy um, and to be my own advocate for health. And I really wanted people to like get there a lot faster than I got there. Right. Just a little bit more in depth for those who don't know. So growing up with that kind of sickness of being diagnosed with Lyme disease or celiac disease, what comes with that? You know, like I can't, if you're sick all the time growing up, you know, you couldn't have had like such a normal childhood. What kind of experience was that related to going to school? Were you like bedridden or did you have to go to the hospital? Were you just simply allergic to a lot of foods and have a allergic reaction? So what kind of goes into um, something like that? Yeah. So the biggest thing by far that I remember is like I had constant brain fog and I didn't know what it was like not to have that. And I was like, why do I struggle to get things done? Why am I always exhausted? And so I just like worked through that. I like really tried hard to like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to power through this. And then, you know, I was even more tired and more exhausted. And so that was the biggest part, but then there was a lot of GI problems. And so I always needed to be close to a bathroom and like, that was super embarrassing. And then there are days that I was in a lot of pain um, and I would get fevers all the time. And I was in and out of the ER. And like, I remember vividly this one technician when I was getting a scan done, I was like, you're just a teenager complaining of gas. And I was like, if this is gas, like, you know, I was like, this is crazy. Um, And so I also didn't like, I didn't believe in my, what my body was experiencing because so many people were telling me there was nothing wrong. And so I just like most of my childhood was actually just like pushing through the pain and the discomfort and the problems and like Mm -hmm. not talking about it with many people and not like, I was just exhausted. My skin was, you know, was easily pale. Um, I, you know, I actually struggled to sleep even though I was so exhausted and I don't, I like, you know, gluten is the only food that I would consider myself, you know, quote unquote allergic to, but I did mm-hmm. learn, you know, from 18 to, you know, I'm 31 now, I did learn um, in between those, like what other foods cause problems, what other co- foods cause inflammation um, and what foods I just need to avoid. And then I also got to learn like what foods were awesome for my body. Right, exactly. And so it's so interesting hearing that side of the story because you see it almost in current news how um, women aren't uh, being heard by doctors, you know, like, I think we know a lot that uh, is going wrong with our body and just to have that sort of experience and not find that solution sooner, you know, 18 years of trial and error, you know, it's not I wouldn't say it's not our jobs to figure it out on our own, but that's what we we need doctors for. So I think that's very interesting um, growing up like that. Yeah, it definitely was really interesting. And it's still like, it's still evolving for me. You know, I, I recently was just um, dying, like, I just was told that I have a cyst on one of my ovaries. And like, I, I was having painful periods for years. And everyone was like, you know, all the docs I was seeing were like, Oh, that's normal. You're just having cramps. You know, this is just a normal thing for you. Um, and I was just like, I, I don't know about that. And I also wasn't getting pregnant. And I was like, you know, in my 20s and 30s trying to get pregnant, like I should have been able to. Mm-hmm. And everyone was just telling me, Oh, unexplained infertility. It's fine. You know, whatever. But like, I was at the point where I was like on all like an excruciating pain, like not able to do anything. And it's like, I finally had a doc, like after, you know, several, I think I counted, like there was probably 10 different doctors I saw before Mm -hmm. someone was just like, oh yeah, there's a cyst and this could be endometriosis. Like this is a real thing. And I was like, why, why did it have to take this long? And why did I have to be so loud? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's so crazy. So, okay. So at 18, you finally got diagnosed with celiac disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So where did you go from there with your career? Did you decide from that point on in uh, college or whatever um, that you wanted to go into health and wellness? Like what was that journey like? Uh, How do you, how did you transition to that point? 
Yeah. So that's, I love that question because it's not, I actually like ignored this, like, you know, message that the universe kept sending me to go down this path several times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I was in college, I, I got my master's degree eventually in gender and women's studies and nonprofit leadership and the gender and women's studies side of things definitely, you know, it's a lot of psychology and it, that was definitely like fueled by my lived experiences of like not feeling like I always had a voice and like other experiences I had in my life. But mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know like career path where that would take me. Um, but I knew I wanted to give back. And so that's where like the nonprofit side came from. And then I was, I was working at a nonprofit when I graduated and it was amazing. Um, it worked with under-resourced youth and I loved it, but I knew like something was missing. Like I was struggling sitting at a desk all day and my body was really like, like really struggling. I had to see a chiropractic, a chiropractic regularly. I was going to a chiropractor regularly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I said that wrong. <laughs> and yeah, so I was having all these issues and I was like, all right, well, maybe this isn't the lifestyle. And my husband and I actually moved to Northern Maine for three and a half years and like ran cabins in the woods. It was like, okay. Yeah, it was like a total, total change, total 180. And while, like that sounds nice though. Yeah, it was amazing. And like what actually came out of that is like I started noticing more things about my health. I did my first ever elimination diet um, and discovered like, oh, this is how much rice I can eat before it actually hurts. And like maybe I shouldn't eat soy anymore. And yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was awesome. And then I actually started like roping in other people. I was like, oh, you're having this? Like, why don't we do this together? And that's really when it got started. And I used to do like Facebook groups with friends and family. And I helped people discover like how dairy was affecting their bodies and how gluten and grains and, you know, different foods was like impacting their health. And, you know, it was just fun at that point and also like really exciting to help these people reach their health so like so much faster than I had and mm -hmm. people started hinting at it then like you should do this you should do this and I was like nah I'm not qualified <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I um I actually ended up moving to Asheville with a corporate marketing job and I you know that was a real real big game changer for me mm -hmm. and I I really struggled with it. I did it for a little over a year and a half. And again, I got to that point of like, my body hurts. I'm not taking care of myself. Like, this is not okay. And um, my relationship with my husband was suffering. And so we went on vacation and my husband was like, you need to stop this. And so I ended that relationship with that job shortly after. And I started working with a yoga studio and then a functional medicine doctor. And then I became a certified health coach. And it's just been amazing since then. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's quite the journey. I love how there's so many like uh, 180s like that you just completely just turned and tried new things. I think that's really amazing. And I really could relate to um, how you tr started trying the elimination diet. I was talking to a gut and microbiome professional a few months ago. And one of the biggest things that she recommends, like if you suffer from any sort of like pain or gut issues um, to try eliminating eliminating certain things. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to health and wellness, health and wellness and food and dieting and certain things like no one like one, no one thing fits for like every single body, you know, everybody's so different and unique. So you really need to take that time to figure out like what works for you, because that may not work for somebody else, you know, so I think that's just very interesting how you're able to kind of figure that out. And, um, evolve into a career that just really helped you out. I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. I completely like I love elimination diets because I completely agree with what you're saying. Like that so resonates with me. Like I think the problem with our 
you know, diet culture, besides the fact that it's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Outside of that is like, it's like, oh, we all can fit in this box. And it's like, no, we can't. Like all of our bodies need different things. We're all experiencing different things. We walk Mm -hmm. through life differently. And so like an elimination diet really empowers you to learn like, oh, this is what my body needs and how much my body can handle of this. This is what my body thrives on. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's super powerful and I wish everyone would do it. (laughs) Right. I completely agree because the thing is though, it is about that culture of like, okay, of selling something or marketing. And I think the truth is, you know, like if we see, if we identify everybody by our fingerprint and we understand that everybody is incredibly unique with all kinds of different backgrounds, genetics, cultures, and even where we live plays a factor in how we like process things, whether it's like incredibly hot or whether it's incredibly cold weather where you're living, you know, all these different things play a factor in how active we are. And so to take that moment to figure out like what our body needs in certain times, you know, I just think that's so incredibly crucial, you know, so like, there's always every year, there's always going to be something that's really important and really like trending, you know, whether that's the keto diet or kale, the superfood or blueberries, like sure, that's great. But like, thousands of blueberries isn't going to help you, you know, if you're suffering from gluten, you know, so it's just really important to figure that out. I know that is so true. And like honoring that your body is going to change over time too. And like recognizing that, you know, so many people are obsessed with macros and counting their calories and, Mm -hmm. you know, really depriving their bodies. And it's like, that's a good thing. Like go, go eat an avocado. (laughs) Like like our bodies need carbs. Like don't deprive yourself of that. Like you're going to get really Mm -hmm. tired and then you're going to make really poor food choices for your body because like you're mentally not fully there because, you know, your body is almost in starvation mode. So it's like, you know, relearning, you know, I like to say rewinding. That's where I came up with my, my business name is like, we need to rewind back to what it was like when we were kids, right? Go back to like intuitive eating, go back to like when we would listen to what our body said we wanted and what we needed when we Mm -hmm. could like leave food on our plate and not feel guilty. And when we could be like, you know, I really want that chocolate and not feel guilty. (laughs) Exactly. Cause everything, everything is such a large balance. And the thing is though, like, I think that right now, especially how we absorb information now, it's all clickbaity and one really like headlines. And the thing is though, if you're going to take the time to understand your carbs, micros and everything, you can't really just take that for a headline, you know, that's actual like chemistry composition of how you process food, you know, so if you're really going to take the time to understand it, then you then you also need to understand that you need those elements, you can't just cut off one part of the pyramid, because you think that it's not healthy for you, you know, so there's other ways to access certain foods, whether your fats come from avocados or whatever it may be. And I just think that, you know, just some of these uh, trends, you know, of just cutting off certain things and never eating this, you know, putting those limits only kind of makes it worse, because, you know, you have to figure out what's best for you. And diets are kind of temporary. And I think that the most important thing that you need to do is find like a lifestyle balance, you know, like something that you can keep over over your lifespan, you know, not just for a couple of months. Exactly. And like so many people are obsessed with losing weight and I get it. Like I totally get that like you want to be in a body that you're you're proud of and all of that. Mm-hmm. But like when you're concentrated just on that one goal, like there's so much proven, you know, science behind like, oh, a lot of people that do that, they're going to gain it back and more some. Like why don't mm-hmm. you instead focus on like what your body, body 
body really wants and needs and flourishes on and then figure out like how to support your mind and loving the body you're in. And like, you know, self-care is such a huge proponent of our health that gets ignored. Like people are just spending all their time like learning about those macros, like you said, and like learning about calories and, and all of these other things instead of realizing like, hey, maybe taking a bubble bath would help your reduce your cortisol level, which would make mm-hmm. it so you do lose weight because you're maintaining, you know, water and you're maintaining all these these other stressors in your body, which isn't mm-hmm. helping you, you know? And so it's exactly. like understanding that like weight is not just about calories and like mm-hmm. weight's also not a bad thing. Like, you know, there's health at every size. Like, exactly. like, like being able to like, re- like rewind that thoughts of like that we've been taught from, from media and from all these diets, you know, like I, I didn't even know how much money the diet industry is making now, but it's like absolutely freaking absurd. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And healthy, bo- healthy bodies look different on everyone. And mm-hmm. I think there's that there's just this misconception of what it's supposed to look like. And most of the time that it's marketed towards it's really unachievable um, on the normal <laughs> standard. Because when you think about it, like just pregnant women on the opposite side, you know, they have a completely different genetic system that they had before, you know, so them trying to meet a certain standard of weight or size or whatever is would be different or more challenging. And I think everybody needs to kind of, I think we need to te- take a step back and just appreciate our uniqueness and spend that time for yourself and see what works for you. And I think that's really the best way to go about it. 100%. Completely, <laughs> completely agree with you. <laughs> so with your health and wellness journey, and now, are you coaching now or what is your career like now? And what do you hope to do with it now that you've been through all of these different experiences? Yeah, so I am coaching now. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm not just focused on people's food or just their movement. Like I really, I, pu- I push people to explore like scheduling in your self-care and your mindset. Because if you come to working with a coach and your mindset's like, oh, everything's else failed, this is going to fail too, then like you're attracting that negative energy. And so I work with people with, you know, like let's start with your mindset first and let's show up like in a positive way. And then let's break down all these other other things like why like what what got you here of like how can we unlearn this how can we move backwards and get you to where you want to be in a sustainable way um mm-hmm. so that that's what I work with people on and I do one-on-one and group coaching um and I actually just started a texting program too for the you know the busy folks that are like I don't have time for that I'm like okay great well we'll we'll meet and we'll text and we'll you know just I'll be that person for you to check in with but I I I need people to be able to dedicate to their self-care. And if that's not a priority to them, it's a little bit more challenging um, for us to work together because I really believe that that is, that is the foundation of the sustainability factor is making sure that you're showing up for yourself. Um, and mm-hmm. self-care looks different to everybody. I'm not talking about like going to the spa or the sauna or you know getting a mm-hmm. massage every week. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. It could look so differently, but just being able to like give yourself some grace and love, love yourself, you know, that, that really basic foundation um, and then be able to say, okay, I'm here right now you know, and I want to be there. Here's some beautiful ways to get there. You know, maybe that is an elimination diet for some people. For other people, maybe they've tried going to the gym a hundred times and it's never stuck and they just want to be able to move their body. You know, we're going to explore like, okay, what are some joyful ways to move your body? Like, what do you enjoy? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like walking with your best friend once a week. You know, maybe it's hiking. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's biking. You know, maybe it's something you haven't even tried before, like a, a Zumba class or something, you know, like really mm-hmm. exploring that it doesn't have to look like what you see out in the world. It doesn't have to look like what someone else does. It's your journey. Yeah, exactly. I love that. 
I don't know. I, I always think of that too. I think working out, like people have this vision of like pumping iron at the gym and running on a treadmill, but like literally there's so many other joyful things. Like for me, I'm, I love working out, but I hate running. Like I just hate it. So I'm not going to do it. But on the other hand, like you can go swimming. Like I love swimming. I love biking. I love walking with my dog and those count too. You know, I love dancing. And so you can always pick all the, you can pick, there's so many options at hand. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Well, and when you're doing ones that actually bring you joy, like it's helping so much more of your body than just your physical like exercise, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. going to help your mind. It's going to make you smile more. You're going to show up more. Like imagine like, okay, you're, you're waking up in the morning and you're like, oh, I have to go to the gym. Like you're going to be slow moving. You might not even want to go. You're going to make a hundred excuses versus, mm-hmm. you know, my thing is I really like walking my dogs in the morning. And so now I'm like rolling out of bed before, like way earlier than I used to get up. And, and we go and sometimes I do find myself running and I'm smiling and I get back home and I'm just like ready to jump into my day. And I'm, you know, I'm excited to be there and to do that because I found something that makes me happy. So there's no excuses. I'm not, I'm not throwing up ideas of why not to do. I'm not hitting a snooze button hundred times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what would you say is one of the most common issues that you find along your clients? Would it be mostly related to like work-life balance or what would you say is like the main issue if there's one? Prioritizing yourself. Um, people are not prioritizing themselves. They're showing up 100 million percent for their jobs, 100 million percent for their kids and their spouses and their loved ones. And they're putting themselves on the back burner. And they can sit there and tell you like, oh, yeah, I need to do this. But they don't. And being able to like be that person that says like, you can do this and you should. And this is why, you know, and giving them that permission. Mm-hmm. I think so many people think self-care is selfish. And, mm-hmm. you know, why do you think that is? I think it's, you know, we're depending on how we're raised, of course, right? It depends on that a lot, but it also depends on what we were exposed to. I think a lot of people feel that way um, simply because, like, they, they're not doing anything for anyone else. They're not giving, you know? And, like, I always go back to, like, the air, like the, the airplanes have it right. Like, put your oxygen mask on first, right? <laughs> You've got to do that because then when you show up for other people, you're going to show up, like, so much more beautifully. You're going to show up fully. You know, when you take care of yourself and then make plans with somebody, you're going to be able to show up and be, like, fully present. If you're going to overbook yourself and then, like, oh, I'm overbooked. I'm exhausted. I haven't been home. I don't I haven't eaten a good meal in weeks, but I'm going to go meet my friend for drinks. Well, you might have trouble focusing on what your friend's saying. You might not be mm-hmm. fully present there. Like, there's, you you know, you, you might not be able to fully be you for them. So like if you back up and realize like, hey, I, I, it's okay to like do me and then show up for them. It doesn't mean you don't get to do it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, if I do that, there won't be time for X, Y, and Z, but mm-hmm. there will be. Yeah, exactly. When I think of things like that, I always think of ourselves as almost like a battery pack, you know, like if we're at a hundred percent, then we have more to give to other people or, or whatever time that we have, whether that's our job, work, friends. But if we're always running on like 20%, then we're going to give less to what we actually want to give to. And it's going to be very low quality. And then we're going to be completely drained at the end of the day, at the end of the day. And like, who wants that? You know, so if you take the time for yourself, whether that's a little bit to just to get to yourself to 100%, then you have more to give willingly than um, just dragging through on your last 2%, you know. And you're going to have so much more fun. And then it's going to be like a continuous cycle. It's just going to be like, you know, keep coming. You're going to do more self-care because you're happy. And then you're going to be happier. So you're going to want to be with your friends more and show up with them, with your family more. You know, if you have kids, maybe you're actually going to want to play their game with them. You know, like you're Mm going to want to 
get into the kitchen and cook something nutritious. You're going to you're going to want to do all those things that right now may feel like a chore. Yeah, exactly. Um, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? You know, what what part do you like enjoy the most or fulfills you or sparks that passion of why you wanted to start in the first place? When someone becomes empowered, either from like if they do an elimination diet and they found a food and they're able to be like, oh, wow, I can now decide. Like I know milk causes me, you know, fl- like phlegm in my throat and it, I get really bloated from it. Now I have the choice to decide if I'm going to drink this milk or if I'm not, you know, like that's, that's really awesome when they feel really empowered for their own health. Like they feel like they've, they've won something. They, they are in control of that. That's something no one else gets to control. Like that's their truth. Or Mm -hmm. when someone has that same aha moment with self-care, you know, of being like, oh, wow. Like I showed up and like, look at the smile I'm wearing on my face today. I had, I had someone earlier today actually tell me like, you know, like I was like, wow, you sound really cheery today. This is amazing. You're boosting my energy. This is awesome. She's like, that is so amazing because it's been a shit day. And I'm like, oh, well, wow. <laughs> like, you're not showing that to me. You're not carrying it. You're like, she was totally carrying the idea of like, you know, smiling is contagious, being positive is contagious. And so instead of seeing like all of the negative things she'd experienced as like defeat, she saw them as challenges that she could move through. And that was like, that was amazing to witness. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's awesome. Like I I don't I don't know. I love like I guess candid optimism, you know, because like I kind of feel the same way because I understand that like obviously in life we're gonna have like our really good days and our not so good days. But if we can somehow make our not so good days good for other people, then at the end of the day, somehow that bad day gets a little bit better. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So I wanted to ask you also, like, if you had any new or unique recipes for people who also struggle with gluten problems or um, anything like that. Like, I'm sure your diet is a little bit different than everybody else's. And I was curious to see if like, you had any really off the hand recipes in mind. Yeah. So I, oh my God, so many recipes, but I will share with you. My husband was a very typical like American eater, like the worst foods out there. Like, you know, he, he loves ramen, he loves mac and cheese and, you know, he loves all of this stuff. And I came up with a recipe a while back with, I, it was a bunch of other like other recipes I've compiled over the years from friends and from, you know, internet searches. And I finally found one that really worked for mac and cheese. And it is completely plant-based. It's made with potatoes and carrots and onions um, and nutritional yeast. And it is like such a good comfort food. And I've been making it with um, mm. gluten. Like you can make it with any any pasta, but I usually use like um, the jovial pasta or like Asian grains. Mm-hmm. I even like, I really love Capella's grain-free pasta. You can find that in the freezer section at some stores. Um, mm-hmm. And so like you can really make that whatever you want, but like it's so appealing to people, like regardless if they're on a health journey or not. So that's like one of my like faves right now because like it makes everyone happy <laughs> um, but I've actually been on a really aggressive avocado toast kick um, like a, a lot of um, Americans these days but I like to add um, everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's and then I also mm. have recently been adding sauerkraut a lot and I am generous with that avocado I'm like doing a full avocado and I've noticed mm-hmm. that like doing that really sustains me through the morning and keeps me really motivated to want to keep 
keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's what I've been focused on a lot. But I actually am in the middle of creating a ramen seasoning uh, recipe. That wow. yeah, it's been really fun. I'm gonna get it up soon. But my um my husband was eating like the like the actual packets, and I was like, oh, we've got to change this. And <laughs> his doc too was like, you've got to change this. <laughs> and so we um we've been working on it, and it's so fun because like I get to play with it, and he tries it, and and I think it's really really close to being done. So it'll be up soon. And it's, it's great because it's super easy. You know, I just use like either, like sometimes he'll use like ones that still have gluten in them, but I just use um, rice noodles and Mm. like, it takes like literally five minutes to make and you can add like whatever vegetables you want. I do spinach, like I'll, I'll boil the pasta and then put like literally fill my entire bowl with spinach because you know, it like disappears. Spinach (laughs) is like, it's crazy. So like, then I'll pour the hot water and the noodles over it, mix it all together and then add the seasoning. And it's like such a fast meal and I can add whatever I want. Like I could add sprouts, I could add, you know, protein. Um, Like I made it yesterday actually and I added um, an egg to it and like you can like if you have other veggies that you roasted during the week just throw them in there and it's such an easy quick meal when you're like stressed and busy or you know just moving to your day fast or if you really want that like warm meal for the winter weather Mm -hmm. I don't know I think that's probably one of my favorite things about ramen how you can how you can manipulate it in all kinds of different ways and it seems like you had a different meal every single day of the week even though you know the foundation's pretty much the same oh yeah and I totally have times that I'm making like a ramen that's simmering all day with a beautiful bone broth you know like sometimes you just can't do that (laughs) yeah I completely agree how would you say that like how do you navigate eating out at restaurants with uh, an allergy because I feel like that is probably the most problematic Mm, I love that. I talk about this a lot, actually. Um, So my number one tip is to research beforehand. So read online what other people with allergies are saying about that place, you know, how the servers are going to be. And then I look at the menu and like see if I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be fine for me to eat. Um, And if I don't see anything or even if I do, I actually will often call before the first time I go. And just be like, hey, I don't want to be a pain when I get there. Can you just like, you know, tell me what I would be able to eat? And if it's a place that's like, I don't know, they transfer me three times and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to eat here. But, yeah. then, but then if they're really competent, then I, I'm like excited to go in. And then um, when I'm there, I will usually say like immediately, I'm actually usually the first one to talk at the table and be like, mm-hmm. I have a food allergy. This is what I don't eat. What would you recommend on this menu? Um, and they'll usually like, it, you can know in like two minutes if they are going to be good or not. <laughs> not even, it's like seconds actually. And so that's what I'll do. But what I have found over the years is if you go to a place that is, you know, usually local, they're and, and you can look at their menu and see that they're not just cooking with, you know, really traditional like flours and pastas and they have some other dishes on their menu, then mm-hmm. you're likely going to be able to find food there. And the chef sometimes is going to be really excited to feed you. So like being able to find those more, you know, interesting restaurants is usually where you have the most success. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really great advice because I, I feel like sometimes that can be a little bit challenging and there is like a weird stigma with people with allergies. Like, I don't know why, because you guys come in to pay for food, you know, so it should be a good thing, but it turns out to be either a really negative thing or worst case scenario that your food actually poisons people because they weren't careful enough or there's cross-contamination and things. And so I was curious about your experience. 
Yeah, and I've definitely that's definitely happened to me over the years. You know, like it's definitely something I've experienced, and I know others have experienced. Um, what what I have realized is like be very confident and like let them know. Um, one of my best friends is actually a professional bartender, and I say professional because like she is just amazing at it. She's going to do it for the rest of her life. Like not mm-hmm. what I imagined when we were in our twenties and she was bartending, but like she's so good at it. But she works at this restaurant that has. Um, has a gluten-free products and she'll see people come in all the time and be like, Oh, I'll take the gluten-free pizza with a Coors Light. And she's just like, she's like, do you know how hard, like she'll get like, like she doesn't always say this to them. Of course, you know, she's being, Mm -hmm. she's, she's being good good to her customers and everything, but like she'll vent to me and be like, this is why it's hard for you because there's these people that are like acting like, Oh, this is a diet fab, but let me just get my glutenized beer. (laughs) And so like, I think that is one challenge is like people see gluten, like going gluten-free as a diet. And like, I disagree Mm -hmm. with that very, very much so because it's like, there's many gluten-free foods that actually have more carbs and more sugar. So like Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to be eating gluten-free foods to be a healthier person unless that's something that like is necessary for your body. Now, if you've done an elimination diet and you figured out like, oh wow, gluten-free grains are not great for me, then yeah, join the club. (laughs) But but, like, don't just do it to think that like, oh, you're going to lose weight and and be healthier with it. Like that's no. (laughs) I think that's definitely a really good point because I think on the flip side, as the chef, like I am on that side of the kitchen where like people will order breadsticks, but then also like they're suddenly there have all these allergies related to (laughs) what they just ate like you know so it's just very conflicting but like we want to please the guests but at the same time it's like what is going on you know with like their mixed ordering and you could also see how gluten was like a trend at one point because even Panera had a gluten conscious cookie like it was exposed (laughs) to gluten because it was baked in the ovens but like technically people who are actually allergic would get sick you know (laughs) exactly they're just like oh yeah this doesn't contain gluten but that doesn't mean it didn't touch it it didn't you know exactly so like I want to throw the question back at you like when when you're cooking for people that have allergies like how do how do you like to handle it like what is your reaction to that my biggest thing is like the customer comes for like I'm a very hospitable person so for me like it's not my place to judge because if it were like a code red, like peanut allergy, they would die. No one's going to die on my watch. Like that's just me. <laughs> right. But at the same time, like there have been cases where like, I think you went about it really well about calling ahead and making sure everybody's okay. But there will be situations, you know, like the kitchens are always so busy, like during rush hour or like a Friday night or something. And when you get cases like that, where people say like, oh, I'm allergic to something. And then and we prioritize, you know, because it takes extra time, extra care to make sure nothing touches it, like all this extra care. Oh, I'm allergic to something. And then on the other hand, they're ordering that beer. Then it's very upsetting because we spent all this time catering to your fake allergy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I know some servers have started to say like, oh, is this an allergy or a preference? Yeah. And like, yeah. And so I do think like if it's a preference, you need you definitely need to tell the staff, you know, but if it's an allergy, like be, be loud about it, you know, be your own advocate. But like, I do think like being being responsible enough and kind enough to like reach out ahead of time or do your homework. Like if their menu is like, oh, allergen friendly or glu- like they have things marked gluten free or vegan or dairy free, then like, yeah, you're probably golden there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but like if yeah. it's not, it doesn't mean it's it's a no-go, but like use your intuition. You know, that's been my saving grace over the years is just like 
my husband can look at a rent menu and be like, yeah, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's a really good tip because a lot of the smaller restaurants do have those labels and care um, on the on our menus. And I think that's really, really important. And then also if you're going to like a generic place, one that has like a chain or something like that, maybe it's not as safe. And then it's definitely, I don't think it's as safe, especially like during rush hours or when it's really busy. So I think that's also really important to like notice well, you know, because you want to make sure that your food is really safe. And I, I, I think I prioritize that a lot because, you know, that's somebody's health. You know, I can't have that on my conscience of like, that's how every dish should leave the kitchen, honestly. So yeah, absolutely. It. I completely agree with you. And I think that, you know, like when I go on vacations or travel, like I'm actually, I have an upcoming trip just to, just to Charlotte, North Carolina coming up soon. And it's like, mm-hmm. we've already started, like we have a Google doc with like, oh, this restaurant looks good. Look at this menu, like check this out. It's like, we're mm-hmm. preparing ourselves for that so that we have like a running list of places that we can go to so like Mm -hmm. one if we go into a place and we're like this isn't gonna work we don't have to like scurry and get stressed out like when I was first diagnosed with um, celiac like I I found myself constantly getting stressed out or like I know a lot of um, my my clients have been like oh well I just didn't eat when I went there or like it's fine I'll just drink water and instead I'm like no like you Mm -hmm. have the power right now like own this power to do some research and you know what most of the time your friends are gonna be like thank you for picking the place (laughs) so like just being able to do a little bit of that research and it can be really fun sometimes you might find a restaurant that you never would have known about because it was like on some back alley but it ends up being like this most amazing farm to table place yeah I love that okay as we wrap up this show something I do with all my guests is I ask them if the listener didn't have the opportunity to listen to anything that we have spoke about thus far um, what would you leave them with your last two cents uh, a mic drop moment Um, what would you have to say show up for yourself (laughs) that's it (laughs) yeah that's it no I I I really think that that's something that we a lot of us don't do you know we talked about it earlier in this episode like just show up for yourself know that like you're the only person that can fully show up for you you're the only one in, in your body living your experience so you know like you can go see 100 doctors but they don't know what's going on in your body they don't know what's going on in your mind so if you're not the one being your own advocate for your own life then who is going to be I love that I love that a lot. (laughs) I think, no, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's so great. Um, Samantha, do you have any social media or a website or anything where people can reach you out? Yeah, absolutely. So my business website is the um, thewellnessrewind.com and it's the same on Instagram and Facebook. And then I also have a public personal page where I have a little bit more, you know, that I'm sharing and that's Sam's Simple Life and Sam is spelled with two M's. So it's S-A-M-M-S-S-I-M-P-L-E life. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Everything will be listed in the show notes for you guys. Uh, so you have all the access and information to reach out to Samantha whenever you'd like. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I loved having you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me and thank you for doing your podcast. I'm so grateful for people like you that are sharing this information with people. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Precious the Foodie. Don't forget to write a review letting me know what you think. It would mean so much to me. You can follow the show on Instagram at Precious the Foodie or other foodie related content at Precious Pioneer on YouTube and on Instagram as well. Reach out to Samantha on her website listed in the show notes and thank you all for your continued support. As always, live life with love and love food with life. Bye guys, catch you next time.